All right, church, well, we are super excited for our new spiritual formation series that begins next week, as Pastor Dave said. Uh, Hopefully that video gives you just a little bit of a taste of what we're going to cover, and it whets your appetite for some growth. Now, before we get there, we're going to press pause today, and what I would like to do is for all of us start to consider what is God's plan for us in 2022, uh, maybe this, this new year is going to be your, your best year ever, you know, potentially. So to discuss that, what I, I'd like to do is do a slightly different kind of New Year's message uh, today. And to celebrate that, I'd like to start off with a little Disney magic. How many of you have seen Snow White? Right. Hopefully a lot of you. Now, I know there's been some updated... Yes, I see that hand out there. Um, I, yes, so I know there's been some updated movies recently with like The Huntsman and things like that and Chris Hemsworth, so Thor meets Snow White. But, um, but the original movie was, it was, came, came out in 1937 and it featured prominent roles for the seven dwarves. The seven, can you name the seven dwarves? Right? Yeah, so there's happy, there's bashful, there's dopey, there's sleepy, and last but not least, there's sneezy, which honestly, if, if, you're, if, you're, a, if you're sneezy, maybe, maybe you know people in your family that are like that, uh, sneezy is probably constantly in quarantine nowadays. Um, so, but anyway, so that's the seven doors right there. Now, one of the other key characters in the story of Snow White is the stepmother, the evil queen, and if you remember, she rules the land, and she possesses this magic mirror in her room, and famously, what she does in the, in the movie, she goes to the mirror all the time, and she asks a really famous question. Do you remember what it is? She asks, magic mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? Now, the mirror, which can talk to her, always answers that she is. She is the fairest in the land. Until one day, one day when Snow White grows up, we learn that Snow White, in fact, is the fairest in the land. And this enrages the queen, right? Uh, She cannot be second best. And so she goes out, and the rest of the story tells about how she tries to kill Snow White. And, And that's where the dwarves come in to help save her. And eventually the queen is defeated, Snow White is saved, she meets Prince Charming, and like all Disney movies, they live happily ever after. Now there's many elements to the story of Snow White, but this week I'd just like to focus in on that, that magic mirror which caught my attention. And I started to ask myself this as I thought about the mirror, what can mirrors teach us about ourselves? What can mirrors teach us about ourselves? Now, on your way in today, you should have received a, a little pocket mirror, and I'd like, to, I'd like you to take it out right now. Now, this is not a magic mirror. Um, it, unfortunately, it cost too much to get the one that talked to you, so we got the one that didn't talk. But I'd like you to, to open it up and just look at yourself and ask, um, you know, what do you see? What do you see? In fact, I brought my own mirror today because I realized that we all have mirrors in our house And mirrors serve a lot of different purposes, right? But more often than not, we pull out mirrors to look at and, you know, to comb our hair, to make sure we don't have any, you know, whatever on our face. We take out mirrors, and what we do is we take an assessment of ourselves. We assess ourselves when we look in the mirror. And so it's natural as we come to the end of an old year, 2021, and we look forward to a new year, 2022, it's natural to pause and ask and look in the mirror and take an assessment of ourselves. And between now and January 1st, most people are going to start making New Year's resolutions. And those resolutions oftentimes are born out of out of a very simple thought. And the thought is this. I'm not satisfied with what I see. I'm not satisfied with what I see. I go and I take a look in the mirror and I realize I'm not, I'm not satisfied. We decide we don't look how we want. 
We haven't achieved what we want. We don't possess what we want. And so we look in the mirror, and it causes us to confront some cultural messages about image. Right? So maybe it's body type. Media companies constantly portray very specific images about what is desirable, what a person should look like, male or female. So weight, clothes, makeup, muscles, right? You should, and we start to think if we don't have that type of image, we think, why can't I look like that? Or we think, why am I getting so old? How come I can't look younger or be younger? Now, maybe it's success. You know, you look in the mirror and you start to think, I didn't achieve what I wanted to this year. I didn't save enough. I didn't get promoted enough. I didn't get the degree I wanted. Maybe it's possessions. And so you look in the mirror and you start to look around at everybody else and you realize everybody else has the latest tech. They have the newest electric cars. They have the most followers on social media. And you think, what's wrong with me? When I look in the mirror, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just not satisfied, right? If you're not in the right category, we are tempted to adopt that mindset. We are not satisfied with what we see. And mirrors can reveal, like the evil queen, what's actually going on in our hearts. When we do this, we often miss the larger story of reality. So let me take you back at the beginning here, to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, and read you one really famous verse that comes in at the end of the creation narrative. In Genesis 1.26, it says this, Then God said about humans, Let us make human beings in our image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth. Now, I want you to take this in for just a second here. Many of us skip over this verse. If you've gone to church for a long time, you kind of know it. You, could probably, you probably have it memorized. But just think, God comes to the end of his creative act, and what is the crowning jewel of creation? It's us. It's us. Human beings have a special place in all creation. This is what theologians call the doctrine of the imago dei, or the image that's Latin for the image of God. Every single human being, myself, you, everybody out there, if you're listening at home, you are made in the image of God. And this doctrine, while only explicitly spoken of in a handful of verses, permeates Scripture and has huge implications for how we live our lives. It begins the story of humanity in God's larger story. And the bottom line is this. We are made in the image of God, we are the only being on the planet that bears that title, and yet, and yet, we're not satisfied with what we see. So as we stand at the precipice of 2022, I want to speak to you just for a few minutes about this important doctrine, and I want to look in the mirror and ask, why does the image of God make a difference? As we enter 2022, there's three elements to the image of God that are in the biblical story that have bearing on our lives, and it's this. First, we're going to see the created image, then there's the shattered image, and then finally, we'll see the restored image. So as we dive in, let me, let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my friends that are here this morning with us in the sanctuary, for those that are listening at home, for those that might be listening to this later on, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and give us encouragement. Lord, that you would draw our hearts closer to you, that you would help us to know that we are made in your image, and yet we do need restoration. We need redemption that's found only in you, Lord Jesus. So would you come and speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit, we ask, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so first, the created image. 
Now, humanity's role within the creation story in Genesis is really quite unique amongst ancient literature. In fact, if you go back and you look at the other ancient Near Eastern texts, which is the modern-day Middle East, a number of creation stories were recorded. Then these narratives often borrow ideas from each other, and, but there's a consistent narrative within them about humans. And it goes like this. You and I were created by the gods because the gods were lazy and didn't want to do any work. We were created as a substitute worker for the gods. In other words, human beings exist to do the work the gods didn't want to do. He outsourced it to us. But then along comes the Genesis story, and we read something really different. Look again. What do we read? We read that that God says, let's make human beings in our image to be like us. They will what? They will reign over the fish and the birds and the livestock and the wild animals. Now, what's the difference here? The difference is we are not created because God was lazy and did not want to work. We were created out of God's goodness and God's love. Listen to how author Megan Ann Neff puts it. She says, God created humans out of a surplus of goodness, not out of need. Human life comes from God's life, not from death. The Hebrew, that's Genesis, creation narrative is not a story of deficit, but one of abundance. And then she finishes. She says, while the other ancient Near East creation accounts serve the purpose of the gods, the Hebrew creation narrative explores a God who is distinct from creation and yet chooses to be intimately bound to creation by graciously moving toward creation. Now take that mirror out again and I want you to look into it. Look in that mirror. And I want you to don't miss your place in the story, right? Because when you look in the mirror, I want you to know that God created you. God created you out of his goodness and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. The story of the Bible stands out amongst all other stories. It is different We are created in his image. But what does that mean? Right? Maybe you've heard that before and you've asked yourself, what exactly is the image of God? Well, the phrase, the image of God, used in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, means that God created us to have royal authority. We are God's stewards in this world. In fact, if you notice that phrase, uh, they will reign, or the ESV uses the phrase, we will have dominion, The idea is the same. It means that God gave us authority to rule the earth. We are different than the rest of creation. Genesis 1.27 continues with the thought. It says this, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, in verse 26, we learn that God created us to have royal authority, to be his stewards ruling over the earth. But you might ask, is there more to it? You, you probably ask, how exactly do we image God in this world? Well, different theologians have put, come up with different technical categories. I'd like to offer just three, I think, kind of understandable uh, areas that capture this complex doctrine. And I'm just going to call them the functional view, the relational view, and the ruling view. So first, the functional approach The functional approach or the functional view is exactly that. It talks about the functional aspects of humanity. In other words, human beings are the image of God because we do the things that God does. So we create, we are rational, we speak. This approach focuses on the actions that we do that reflect God in this world. Secondly, there is the relational view. 
And and again, it is just that. It emphasizes the relational aspects of humanity. And so if you notice in Genesis 1.26, there are plural words there used for God. Us and our are used to describe him. And that's because God himself exists in a community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so the image of God described there is, is one of relationship. We are relational beings, and we crave relational connection here on earth. We are made male and female for relationship. Now, the final view is, the, is what I'm calling the ruling view, which um, you know, we, we already alluded to. And it's clearly seen in the biblical text, human beings are commanded to rule and to reign as God's representatives. And so this view emphasizes our place in the created order. Genesis 1.28 expands on this final category. It says, God blessed them, that's humans, and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish. There's that word reign over the fish in the sea, the birds, the animals that scurry along the ground. Now, this command is traditionally called the cultural mandate. In other words, God commands humanity to be fruitful, multiply, govern the earth, fill it. It says that God blessed us to do that. Now, God offers two commands here, right? God offers, number one, he says, create culture, which is the idea of being fruitful and multiplying. And then God says, uh, you need to then govern that culture. This is, these are, in other words, take care of it. These things lead to human flourishing. To govern it means that we tend the garden God has given to us. And we'll talk more about tending the garden uh, as we begin our series next week. But before we get there, just take out those mirrors one more time. You know, have them handing in your hand. Look in that mirror one more time, and I want you to repeat this after me. I am made in the image of God. I am made in the image of God. What does that mean? That means we need to tend the garden that God has given to us. So let's consider how that doctrine of the image of God uh, could and should shift our view of the following areas in 2022, areas which have been significant in our current cultural moment. The first area I'll mention is the area of work. Right now, if you read the news nowadays, it seems like work has lost a lot of meaning. Uh, Jobs are available. A lot of people don't want to work. But perhaps you're listening today and you might not even like your job. Well, being made in the image of God means that we were made for meaningful work. We were made to create Work advances God's purposes in this world. Work contributes to economic significance. It offers purpose. And so in 2022, we should image God through hard, significant work. And kids, what that means, and I'll just put it in practical terms for you, that means that you shouldn't be like Sleepy Dwarf. Okay, Sleepy Dwarf likes to sleep until 12 or 1 p.m. in the afternoon and not do his chores or go to school. We need to image God through hard work. Why? Because meaningful work leads to human flourishing. Second area, human dignity. We did a whole series last uh, January about how all human life has dignity and worth because, because we are made in the image of God. We have significance. What does that mean? It means that we need to respect all people through actions and through words, advocate for those who are oppressed. In 2022, when it comes to protecting human life, we should not be like bashful dwarf, right? Don't be like bashful dwarf who doesn't want to speak up. We need to, we need to be bold. Why? Because valuing human life leads to human flourishing. A third area could be family, 
right? Being made in God's image means we are relational. We're told that God made us male and female to be united in marriage, a powerful picture of human relationships. But even if you're not married, we are all part of a family, right? We all have relationships and friendships, extended family. Some of us have to tend that relational garden. We need to listen and love and show respect and fight for those you love. Kids, I'll put it another way. Don't be like the grumpy, don't be grumpy dwarf in your family. And some of you, this is your shirt. I woke up like this. You know who the grumpy one is in your family, right? Nobody likes a grumpy dwarf. Instead, in 2022, treat your family like they are fellow image bearers. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you are made in the image of God. Why should we do this? We do this because strong families as a bedrock of society lead to human flourishing. A fourth category is that of creativity, right? Our God is a God who creates, and so do we. Yes, our work can show creativity, but more than that, creativity points to beauty in this world. And our own creativity should point people toward God who loves beauty. And when I think about that, I think about Happy Dwarf, right, who brings joy to those that are around him. How can we point people towards what is beautiful in 2022? Creative beauty leads to human flourishing. And then a final category I would say is the category of freedom. Now, our God is a God who allows us to make choices. In the garden, God allowed Adam and Eve to make a choice. Later on, he allows the people of Israel to choose to follow him. Because the ability to choose makes our actions morally meaningful, which is why medieval theologians actually identified uh, liberty as an inalienable human right. But Paul admonishes us that we should choose wisely. If you read Philippians chapter 4, he says that we should choose to think about what is noble and good and true. So you have to be wise like Doc Dwarf. How will your choices image God in 20? 22, because freedom promotes human flourishing. And imaging God means that we seek to promote human flourishing. What area, what are those five areas do you need to lean into in 2022? Because imagine, just imagine if you started to treat everyone like they were made in the image of God. Now, James picks up on this idea in his letter to the church, and he offers a rebuke about another category, the category of language. Look at what James says in chapter 3 of his letter. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, like we just talked about in the creation account. But no one can tame the what? The tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the what? In the image of God. He goes on, he says, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Now, notice what James does here. He's picking up on that creation narrative. And he notes that humans are called to govern or to tame the beasts of the world, just as God commanded. But then he offers a warning. He says it doesn't matter if you're doing that and yet not honoring the pinnacle of creation, human beings who are made in the image of God. So tearing people down, particularly through your words or on social media, will not lead to human flourishing. And if there's anything we should have learned over the last two years, and as we enter 2022, it is that. 
that blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth or the same thumbs. So look in the mirror one more time. Look in the mirror and say, say this truth again with me. I am made in the image of God. How are we bringing God's image to this world? We're created in God's image, but it doesn't, matter, doesn't, mean, that things, doesn't mean that things can't go wrong. So the second part of the human story shows us that the image itself can get shattered. We can confront the shattered image. Now, if you keep holding that mirror up for just a second, um, I, want you, I want you to notice something about the mirror, not just your own image. It, hopefully, if you haven't smudged the mirror that you got on the way in, you should be able to see clearly and, and, and very definitively your face in the mirror. But sometimes, you know, mirrors can get cracked, mirrors can break, and when that happens, you can't see clearly into them. And this is what happened with Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden. We, we did not lose the image of God when sin entered the world. It was broken. And so let me show you what this is like. I brought something else with me today. I have a hammer, okay? And uh, I'm just going to give you an illustration of what happened when you were in the garden. Just imagine that this TV is a mirror, and imagine if I took this hammer and I decided to take a big swing at the TV. <laughs> Man, you got that timing really good that time. Awesome. <laughs> Boom. Now, that, that should take your breath away, right? Some of you maybe it took your breath away because you're like, that's an expensive TV. Okay. It should take your breath away because that's what happened in the garden. The created image became the shattered image. It's a powerful illustration for the broken image of humanity. So let's consider again those three aspects of the image of God within us. When it's shattered, the image of God is not functional. It's not functional. Because the functional view says that the way we image God is that we do what he does. But when sin entered the world, we still do what God does, but it's twisted. right? We speak, but we use words destructively. We create but we do that for selfish motives. And moreover, we start to ask the question, what's my purpose? Because we've forgotten who we are. Second, relationships are lost. Relationships are lost. We are made in the image of God, a relational God, but sin breaks that relationship, and as a result, all other relationships reflect elements of brokenness and discord. We start to ask the question, who should I love? A third, the third category, remember, was the ruling view. When the image is shattered, we don't rule well. The image of God shows us our place in the created order, but when sin came into the world, our view became distorted. Instead of representing God, we thought we should be God. And so we start to ask the question, who am I? Who am I? That's the question of identity. We forget our role. We forget who we are. That's what happened at the fall of humanity, which Miss Rachel alluded to in her book earlier. The shattered image within us is responsible for all the devastating problems in our world. Why? Because human beings are no longer governing or representing God properly. We engage in bad stewardship. And like a broken mirror, we can no longer see things clearly. And the real that reality, though, is part of the human experience. And so the Genesis story famously tells us how this shattered image came into the world. Only one chapter removed from humanity's creation. We read this in Genesis 2.17. It says, but the Lord God warned him, that's Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, 
except the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So if you remember at the pinnacle of creation, God breathes life into human beings. He gives us our purpose, our meaning, our relationship. And then in chapter 2, he offers a caveat. Right? He, says, he just says, you have one job. Don't eat of the fruit of that one tree. But we just couldn't resist. Right? Curiosity, as they say, killed the cat. And Adam and Eve were just ripe for attack. And the serpent swoops in in Genesis 3. How does it begin, right? Genesis 3.1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? The serpent was cunning, He was shrewd. He had ulterior motives. And his tactic was simply to ask this question, did God really say, which which casted doubt on God's goodness, on his love, on his wisdom. And at this point, we're only a few steps away from that shattered, broken mirror. Because after going back and forth a few times, the serpent sinks his teeth into the humans, and they reject God's good plan for them. Look at verse 6. It says, the woman was convinced The serpent convinced her. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then, and then she gave some, next slide, she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Now, what does it say? It says here that Adam and Eve were convinced In other words, they forgot their role, right? Their view of their function became distorted. Their relationship with God was lost. It was broken. And notice, it came because their eyes were drawn to something beautiful and delicious, something that was part of God's masterful creation. And they felt shame. And then that image, just like we saw before, this is where the hammer comes in. That image was very quickly shattered. That's how it happened. And we're still feeling the effects to this day. In fact, the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul takes the effects of the shattered image to their logical conclusion at the beginning of his letter to the Romans. What does he write there in Romans 1? He says, yes, they, humans, knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became darkened and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols, false gods, made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Do you see how the creation order was reversed? This is the way the world is, isn't it? The shattered image knows there is a God but it doesn't acknowledge him. Don't tell me how to live, we say. Just tell me what I want to hear. All of us in our hearts are like that evil queen in Snow White, and we say, magic mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? And if we don't get the answer we want, we take matters in our own hands. We make up foolish ideas about God. We worship the very creatures that we're supposed to govern, and yet, this is part of the human story. We are created in the image of God, and at some point, we recognize that that image is shattered within us. 
and then we desire hope and fulfillment. We need the image to be restored. How? How can the image be restored? And that's a good question if you've never asked it before. That is the question. In 2022, this may be the year you need to answer that question. So in the first part of the story, we learned that we are created in God's image. In the middle part of the story, we learned that the image was shattered. And now we come to resolution. We long for restoration, which is why there's, trilogies are so popular, because the last part brings the resolution until they make the next trilogy that goes with it. Our final act is simply this, the restored image. How does the image get restored? Well, the shattered image didn't surprise God. Uh, it just broke his heart. And so God, in his goodness, provides a way for restoration. He takes people who have experienced the shattered image of God within them, and he adopts them into his family. He restores them. How? He sends his perfect image bearer to earth. And so the Apostle Paul reminds the church in Corinth that the serpent, Satan, is still working to deceive God's image bearers. And then he points them to the solution. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, Satan, the serpent, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. There he is, right, that same character from Genesis 3. He wants the shattered image, the broken mirror, to remain part of God's image bearer. So he blinds them, right? They can't see, they can't understand the way to restoration because what is the answer? The answer is Jesus Christ, whose glory shines bright. He is the answer because why? Because he's the exact likeness of God. Colossians 1.15 tells us he's the exact representation. He's the image of God, the true image of God. And what did he do? Paul records this to the church in Philippi. He says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. It goes on. He says, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus Christ, the true image of God, did what? He laid aside his divine privileges and came to earth. He became like the other image bearers, humbly. And then, and then, he did what we could not. He was obedient. I love how the NLT captures it. It says, even though he committed no crime, he died a criminal's death on a cross. Now wrap your mind around that in 2022. We were criminals and Jesus died for us. Why? Because the image of God was shattered within us and it needed to be restored. Look at how Paul describes it again in Corinth in chapter 4, verse 6. He says, For God said, Let there be light in the darkness. He has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Church, never forget that that image was shattered within you. Paul told the Romans that our hearts were so dark we couldn't see him. But here in 2 Corinthians 4, he tells us that the light shone in the darkness so our hearts could be set on fire and made alive. Amen. And if you know and have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the image of God has been restored. 
Through Jesus Christ, God restores our function. He gives us purpose. Through Jesus Christ's work on the cross, he restored our broken relationship. He forgave us. And Jesus is our true king who has come to rule our hearts and given us a new identity. He takes that shattered mirror of our lives and he restores it. And when he does that, we didn't just get a restored mirror. In fact, it wasn't like this was broken and he, he restored it. He actually just gave us an entirely new mirror. The New Testament tells us that when we come to know Christ, we're given a what? We're given a new identity in Christ, the true image of God. I have a friend who likes to say this, and I think this is the way a lot of people think. They think when I become a Christian, when I come to know Jesus, he's just going to make my life better. And he will. But Jesus Christ didn't come to give you a better life. He came to give you a new life. A new life that is found in him, to be born anew. And now... Once we realize that, we can now start to image God to the world. We can take this mirror and hold it up for the world to see the shattered image within them and their need for a savior because we are redeemed and restored and we can live out God's calling for us in this world in 2022 and beyond. Thought leader John Stone Street invites us to consider four questions as we image God and engage the world. I've, I've always found them really helpful, and I want to share them with you this morning. As you engage in your walk of life, ask these questions. The first question is this. What is good in our culture that we can promote, protect, and celebrate? Because too many of us are focused on the terrible things that are happening in our world. But what are the good things that you notice that are worth fighting for? Right, Because there is beauty in this world that we need to point people to. And when we point people to that, we can help them see Jesus. So think about those categories I mentioned earlier. I think about the categories of hard work and strong families and freedom. Those are good elements of our culture that we can promote and celebrate. A second question is, what is missing in our culture that we can creatively contribute so we, we, we can't just criticize culture without contributing to it. What can we offer people that they're missing? And, and that's where that category of creativity comes in because maybe you're a family who wants to creatively reimagine education this year or maybe you want to start a company that meets a need. Ask, what's missing? Third, what is evil in our culture that we can stop? Because there is evil in our world that needs to be resisted. But you need to do the hard work to figure out what are the battles you want to fight. Don't just think nationally or globally. Think locally. I think that category of human dignity fits there well. Anything, anything that devalues human life, it's evil. And then fourth, what is broken in our culture that we can restore? And there's so much brokenness in our world, friends. I mean, and, and the sad thing is that too many Christians think somebody else is going gonna, is gonna to do something about it. But what if God is calling you or me to step in? Don't think broken things are evil things. They might just need restoration. Since the image of God has been restored in us, we can now be a force for restoration in this world. In fact, I think speech is pretty broken in our culture. So maybe Christians can help fix that by modeling civility and love and listening with humility. And if we do that, you know, 2022, it might actually be our best year ever. 
So let's come full circle as we finish up today. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Or more specifically, that evil queen who always said, magic mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? And the problem with the evil queen is that she was entirely focused on herself and her own beauty. And if she didn't get what she wanted, she was willing to hurt others to get it. That's the product of the shattered image. So I'm going to ask you to hold up those mirrors one more time. Look in them. What do you see? Is the image of God shattered or has it been restored? Because if it's been restored and you come to the mirror and you ask this question, magic mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? There is only one answer and one answer only that you can say, and that is Jesus. Only Jesus. Because he is the image restorer. He is the one who will make all things new one day. And when you know that, you can shine that mirror on others' hearts and on your own heart and look to him, point people to him. In fact, it reminds me of the words of that old hymn, Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, O thou of God and man the son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. And when you look in that mirror, is that your song? Do you cherish Jesus above all else? Because he is true beauty. His image, his glory resides in you if you know him. Friends, this is the human experience. We are created in the image of God. At the fall, the image of God was shattered within us. And through Jesus, the image has been restored. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on stage for one final song. And as they do, I'd also like to invite you to stand and take out those mirrors one more time. And hold those mirrors not at yourself, but hold them out. Point them out. And in, I just want you to think about this. In 2022, let's image God by showing people their need for redemption and pointing people to the only one, the only one who can restore their shattered life. And that is the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your love. Lord, I just pray today that you would help us to recognize that we are made in the image of God. Lord, help us to know that we have a need for you, our great Savior, to come and to restore us. Father, I pray for my friends who are here today, wherever they are coming from, Lord God, wherever they are. Some of us right now might feel like our, our, our lives are, in, are shattered, are broken, Lord, and we need restoration. We need redemption. Lord, I pray that you would step into our story, that you would take our broken mirrors, that you would restore them as we surrender our lives to you. And as we enter into 2022, may we be a force for restoration and redemption. May we build your kingdom and may we proclaim your gospel. Lord, we ask that in the name of the true image of God himself, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.